When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. G'day everybody and welcome to the 17th edition of Tiger Tragics and it is a very happy morning for us today. Uh, I'm Mitchell Scott, I say hello to Tony Shebeki. And I'm Tony Shebeki. And you're having a birthday. I am. Scott. I am. Congratulations Thank to you. you. That came up on my Facebook alerts. Did it? There you so go. congratulations. Just well done to you. 32 and not feeling any younger. No, exactly. And here's Carl Bianco. Oh, hello, gentlemen. And happy birthday to you, having just had a birthday myself. So, yeah. Hope oh, so we, all celebrated, just... we all celebrated a birthday in footy season. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. It's funny because last week everyone was like, happy 21st, Carl. Carl is the baby of the crew. You I are am, just turned yeah, 21. Pretty much. And everyone today has been saying, oh, you know, how, you know, how old are you? Mitch, 21. And I just go, oh, to be that young again. <laughs> how old are you? I'm 32. 32. Just turned 32. Uh, so, so combined together, you are three years older than me. Well, we'll just stand on the top of each other, put throw a, a, a cape over the two of us, and we'll try and get through together. <laughs> like, like join, for, those... join for eighteen, you get seventeen free. Oh, exactly. Thank uh, you. So, <laughs> tragic, tragic, tragedy has been my middle name when it comes to footy. Well, it wasn't for so. so long. It, it was tragic. It for a, You're right. It was tragic for a team yesterday, but it wasn't Richmond. Thankfully, it was oh. tragic for Fremantle. Can I, can I share with our listeners? We we were all watching it individually. So you were at home watching it, Carl. I think you were at home yeah. watching it. And I was in the Virgin Lounge up in Sydney coming back from some motor racing watching it. Yeah. And we were having some banter before the game on face on Messenger or WhatsApp or whatever well, it is. Every result that we didn't want to happen on the weekend went against us. So Sydney won, Port Adelaide won, and suddenly we were down to sixth spot and we were sitting, oh, great. You know, we, we, the, the equation essentially was we need to win both of these games to get top four. And we were having a bit of banter. Is this going to happen? And... You know, the, the, the first bounce happens and five goals in the first 20 seconds of the game. And, and my comment straight to the group was, we're stuffed. <laughs> we're stuffed. It's all over. We were looking at each other <laughs> on, on WhatsApp going, we're done. Top four, following. wipe it. We're all gone. Thankfully, uh, early birthday present came, uh, came in the form of the next two hours and uh, ended up being a 104-point victory to the Tigers and a big, really important uh Depending on what happens this week, six percent boost in percentage. So it was twenty five five, one fifty five. So you talk about accuracy. Yeah, that's good. not bad. Well, that's what, amazing. Did we, six, uh, did we kick six or seven straight before our first point? Uh, I know we kicked eight two in the second yeah, quarter. I think it was about six straight before yeah. the first point went through. We were just when you get to walk into goals and you kick them from twenty meters out, it is hard to miss. But um, it was a, you know our most complete performance I think of the year. Fremantle seven nine fifty one. Um, and this is probably the first question: Is how much do we take out of this result? Well, given and it's uh, a very good question, Mitch. Given what what Fremantle dished up after quarter time, it is a very good question, and they are crap. Fremantle are shocking. Let's cool our jets. It was a great win, fantastic, hundred and four points. I can't. And I was going to ask you because you're a good stats man, Mitchell. Mm-hmm. When was the last time we won a game by hundred points? 
I, I cannot remember it. GWS? I, no, no, no. I no, I think it was. I think it was the corresponding round, round 22, 2015 against the Pies at the G. And there was a Gold Coast game. A couple of, those last few games of round of 2015, we built teams off the yeah, park. We, Col, you know, Qs were in the rack. They yeah. were done. Gold Coast got blown apart by about 80 points. And I think we might have got the 100 because Dusty got in trouble, I remember, for, for giving the bird to the, the cheer squad members in the, in the uh-huh. Collingwood at the end when we were, were just blowing it apart. But, yeah, you're right. It doesn't happen no, all that often for us. Often. Exactly. Especially when Damien Harwood came out towards the start of the year and said, you know, our team's one of those teams that said they're going to win by 30 points or lose by 30 points. We, we're, we're not going to have blowouts. And that's, the, that's I think, what was really was the heartening thing for this is for us for this game was that when the foot was there to be put on the throat of a, of a really meek opponent who just, you know, weren't, weren't firing a shot, we, we went for the jugular yeah. and we really made them pay. And, um, you know, even in... You could tell they had a sniff in that last five, five minutes because Fremantle, I think, kicked a goal or two, got it back to under 100 points and... There was a minute and 30 left, and we just went, nah, we, it's going to be 100. Bang, bang, two yeah. more goals. Um, and there was the goal kicked after the siren to win it. But as you say, Shebex, that first quarter, we were, you know, feeling a little bit pessimistic. Fremantle were up, you know, Fife was dominating. Harley Bennell on his debut for Fremantle kicked two, and we were, and we were just sort of hanging in there. Townsend bobbed up, and we'll talk a bit about him a bit more in depth shortly. But Detroit, though, hasn't it, of ours? Just those slow starts. Just mm. hard. Once we get into it, we're fine and we're rolling. And it's just a matter of hoping that the damage has been minimised in the first 10 or 15 minutes and the team doesn't get four or five goals up. I wonder if it's actually... Because I found that the, t- the games where we've jumped out of the blocks early, like yep. you think about GWS and Sydney and those types we've of games. Away. We've fallen away. We've fallen away. We mm. struggled to main... We, st- we find ourselves holding on and we, we sort of... We let teams back into the game and, um, you know, it, does it... Is, it's almost strategic, I think, maybe, in yeah. a sense that just hang around, hang around, don't fire your first shots yet. And then when you can put them to the sword, don't leave them an hour and a half to come back. Um, you know, only give him because it's all a balance of you know yeah. goals versus time, I guess. But certainly, quarter time we were down by four points, and um, and our intensity wasn't there. Our defense, our defensive system was working really well. But then, you know, whatever Dimmer said at quarter time, my God, eight goals, two to one behind. Kane Lambert comes out and just goes bang, 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 and within with ten minutes to go in the quarter, game was over and beyond the, beyond reach. And um, you know, we started speaking a little bit more with spirits and. Um, the messaging started going, and, and Carl, it was just uh, it was breathtaking. Look, it was really good, really good to see. I mean, we could have gone over there and had a half-assed attitude towards the game, going over to Fremantle, you know, a couple of games left for the season, looking decent. But I think with the results that have happened across the weekend, Sydney obviously looking really good, and uh, Port Adelaide sort of on the verge there as well. We really needed to go over there and give it a red-hot crack. I personally was expecting us to win by maybe 30 or 40 points. You know, get away with a 30 to 40 point win against Frio over there would have been a pretty decent result. But to to the boys' credit, they went over there and they weren't going to, you know, give Fremantle an easy ride and just say, oh, you know, we'll beat you by 30 or 40 points. We're just, everything was going right for us. The pressure was outstanding oh, in that second quarter when fantastic. they just lifted a notch. Um, and then, you know, there's a the bloke I suppose we should fo- first talk about is, uh, you know, he got recruited to the end, at the end of 2015 to this club. I speak of Jacob Townsend, who came mm. in for Josh Caddy, and we all went, oh, he finally gets his go, has apparently been doing great things in the VFL all year, and uh, has played a similar role to Caddy in the VFL, sort of, you know, runs through the midfield, but pushes up forward and hits the scoreboard. And he comes out and kicks six goals. And we, we where did this come from? You know, I mean, we speak, we've spoken about our depth this year. Um, we've, there's another one, Shebex. Yeah, but uh, Caddy, uh, sorry, Townsend seems to be one of those blokes 
that every time he does come into the side, he does well. I, I can't. I don't think Townsend's actually played a bad game in the half a dozen or so that he's actually played for us. No, he's he's one of those players, I think, that he comes in when a certain player comes out of yeah. the side and there just aren't enough positions in the team for his type of Which player. Which is unfortunate for him. So he's about 23 or 24. 20, least, 24, yeah. yeah. Came, from, came from GWS, was one of the ones who got pushed out of them for just simple too many numbers. Um, he comes to Richmond. He played four or five last year, mainly on the back end of the season. Didn't really find a, a spot in the team. Um, and then he comes in for his first game of the year. As Dimmer said in post-match, you know, coaches kept him waiting a long time this year, and he had a bit of a point to prove. And he comes, he comes in, and he just he played the Josh Caddy role better than Josh Caddy. Like, yeah. which mm. it's going to be really interesting come final. If he, if he, um, you know, does that again next week, if he, if he, you know, maintains that form and uh, his role in the side, and you know, we're going to have we're going to have some real selection dilemmas come the first final. I've said this before, though. Every player appears to know what their role is, and we've actually got that depth where you mentioned it before how Townshead seems to be the caddy equivalent in the VFL. Yep. That must be a true reflection on what's happening at Tigerland this year. People in the VFL are playing a similar role to what they would play in the AFL should they be selected in the best 22 for that and week. And that's why it's meant to be. That's why exactly. teams have had their own VFL team. Exactly. So that way they can run the same game plan through, and it just when they step into the seniors... It's just like they're they're playing. They know exactly what they're doing, and that was that, and that's the the success that Hawthorne has had, and the success that the Bulldogs have had. I know not this year necessarily, but that's been born of that whole system, and um, you know it's really refreshing to know that we've got. Yeah, you know, I I was when a team came out on uh, what was it Thursday night and even Friday, and Oleg Markov, um, who's someone I've been critical of, he looked fit. I have to say, I just don't. He looked good. I just, I didn't, I'm, you know, when when push comes to shove, as it stands right now, I don't think he's in our best twenty-two. But he did his role. He did his role. He played well. He he ran. He ran hard. He looked fitter. He he used the ball better. He's been one of those players. I think that when he has been in the side, his decision making's let him down a little bit. Um, but look, I suppose there wasn't a hell. There was there weren't many bad decisions to have been made yesterday. Given it was basically just spot up a spot up a teammate and keep going. Um, Jack Graham debuted. We've been calling for his debut for a while. Uh, he, cap, you know, he's under eighteen captain last year for South Australia. Uh, Lark medalist came down the order in the in the in the draft, and we managed to get him with a second round pick. And um, he's been banging the door down for a while. Had some injury setbacks. Comes in, and to let you guys know, he uh, he set he equaled the record for the most tackles laid by an AFL VFL debutant. Now, rising star nomination. Eleven sure. tackles, so we might we might have another one there. And again, played his role. Pre, you, you talk about the pressure lift that came in the team and the pressure that has been such a big part of this team all year. Twenty-seven pressure acts from a debutante game one, which was the most by any player of the game. So he's got that appetite. He's got the skills. He bobbed up with a goal from a dubious free kick, but you know, um, you, you take that and. Well done to the young man, and I, I was really impressed with him. I think he's gonna it's, he's gonna create more selection headaches again for the rest of the season. What do you, do you guys think of him? I thought uh, he certainly didn't look like a first year player when he was out there. He looked like he's, he's got a massive build. I think they call him the fridge, though. Have you heard that? Yeah, because he's so solid. Because he is so solid. Yeah, look, I great great signs there, definitely. And yeah, I look forward to seeing what he has to contribute to the Tigers. Uh, in, in the years to come, obviously, probably won't play finals. Well, I mean, it all depends on how hard it goes. But, uh, yeah. Well, injury-wise, we're looking like... like, like Not like, too bad. Yeah. We're, we're, we're all right. Like, probably our tools have got the more 
more sore bodies than anyone else, I think. Yeah, and that's where the, it'll be interesting to see maybe in... I know that we do have the bye week coming up after as to whether in round 23 someone like Gasolo did get dropped for this game. Does Nate Curvis go out and, you know what, Hampson, who we'll, we'll talk about the VFL in depth, you know, mm. do, we, do we throw him and just give him a go to see if, he can, if he's got the tank for it? Yeah. It is a risky pro- prospect given what is at stake. But yeah. um, when we talk about who was best on ground, there's so many nominations who you could pick. Mm. I mean, Townsend kicking his six... Um, I'll tell you one that was knocking on the door for me. Who? And it was the best game that I saw him play all year, I reckon, and, and maybe in his career. Daniel Rioli. Oh, Just yes. showed a whole level of maturity that I hadn't really seen from him before in regards to the way that he very often dropped his eyes and had a look around and, and made sure that the right options were there. And he's had that in him, but this he did this the whole game. And some of his handballs, some of his passes, I thought he was fantastic. That's been the, I suppose, the the knock on him has been: can he do those brilliant things consistently? Which has kind of been, the, but the knock on Cyril uh, throughout his whole career is everyone goes, oh, Cyril's highlights reel is great, uh, but can he? You know, we, it's only been the last couple of years where people have sort of gone, you know what, he's a. But I don't think Daniel's going to have the highlights of Cyril. No, I don't. They're I, totally different players. Daniel is more an on-baller, more of a, a you know go in and get the ball and get it out type of player. Do you think Cyril's more of a flashy round the goals, you know, that do, sort of stuff? Do you think he'll spend more time in the midfield moving forward, or do you think he's a that. genuine forward? No, I, I think he's a genuine half forward yep. who can probably rotate in the midfield as part of the rotation. Mm. But uh, he, he's definitely got forward ability. But the one. The one aspect of what I'm talking about that really stood out for me was when he found Martin on the lead. It was only a short kick. Yes. Could have gone long and probably could have had a shot himself. He was about 45 out. And some people may have thought that was the better option because Martin was coming hard on the lead and he had a bloke right on his tail. But he had confidence in Martin enough to put it in front of him and Martin took the the, uh, the mark and kicked the goal. Really good, really good uh Level of maturity, I thought, from Daniel Rioli this week. It's fantastic to see. He's approaching that sort of 50-game mark coming up soon, if not early next year. And um, Dusty, I mean, we speak of Dusty. Dusty did what Dusty does. Um, and, you know, he did a couple of interviews. Interviewed before the match, interviewed after, after the, the match. After the game, he's, he's, he's finally getting an appetite for talking. I wonder, I'll, we'll talk about that a little bit later, but 36 disposals. I think the, thing, the knock on people that have had on Dusty this year is I think, oh, he gets a lot, lot of the ball and, you know, he gets a lot of metres games and all, and all that, but, you know, does he butcher the ball a bit? Is, is his efficiency good enough? Well, he went 83% yesterday, seven clearances, two goals. Um, that's a that's these days a standard Dustin Martin game, and there yeah. was a couple of there was one particular kick to Jack Rewalt in that last quarter where he uh, Fremantle was shot, but he burnt away from uh, from his opponent, took a couple of bounces, and then spotted him up like on the chest, sixty five meters away, just rolling Jack just rolling off his opponent. Jack goes back and kicks the goal, and that was that was beautiful. Crisp as uh, as as you know, like it was like Craig Foster levels of love of football. The way you know Fozzie yeah. talks about Barcelona. That's that's what I was getting from from looking at that. Um, I'm going to make a call right now. Ooh. Jack Graham will win a Brownlow. Brownlow medalist Jack Graham. I've seen one game. That's all I've, I've seen enough. He he'll win a Brownlow. He's future Brownlow medalist Jack Graham from now. About Ken Pedersen when he first started his career. Well, he's he, he might, maybe not a Brownlow Pedo, but he might win a you he know be an he might bob up and win a Norm Smith for them this yeah. year. You know, oh, you know. I was saying the same about Aaron Fiora. Oh well, oh, <laughs> let's not pick up the dust. That's no good. That was the one that got away. Um, Dusty was fantastic. There was a bit of play that I think for me, and you know, if you've seen something similar to this, that sort of epitomises the change in the Richmond attitude this yeah. year, and it was in that second quarter. Um, Kane Lambert, the ball comes in long to Kane Lambert. Um, and Jack's running alongside him, 
uh, in the Richmond of the past, Jack would have cried out for the ball. Give me the ball. Give me the ball. Let me yeah. get the goal. Just handball it over the top. Ask for the cheeky one and try and snap it himself. Jack selflessly uh, saw that the chase was on to get rid of Lambert. And I think it was Griffin Logue was the opponent. He just ran, ran, put the perfect shepherd on, allowed Lambert to run into the open goal. And for me, that epitomizes the sort of change in mindset of this team there where we're not hungry. We're not, we're not, we're not looking to just, you know, it's all about me. And it's, it is genuinely a selfless football club and I'm loving it. Yeah. There's a lot of that about, there's definitely a lot of that about at the moment. It's great. They, they, They are working together as a team. Uh, guys are running 100 metres to congratulate blokes on Alex Rance when he kicked his goal. I think you know, everyone came from everywhere to, to, to pat him on the yeah. back and stuff like that. It is really good. There's a good feeling. That was when we knew we were taking the piss, didn't we, surely? Yeah. When Rance yeah. went forward. <laughs> he surely. took a couple of marks, kicked a goal. Did he actually just find himself forward? He, I, he, he I, surely wasn't put forward. Well, I don't think he, I think he might have just done it for the shits and giggles. To pardon, pardon was it language, that or was it a matter of maybe trying to see whether or not Grimes and Asprey could sort of hold the back line together without him just for a little bit to well, test that theory. They get too much into it, I think. Now. They both certainly nah. did. I, I just, I think it was a case of you know what his opponent probably had run up that far and he just went, all right, I'll go and follow him. And, oh, I don't, I don't and care. And then he stayed, just happened to hang up there for a rest and kicked the goal. Kicked the goal. He's actually, he, I, I know people knocked his kicking back in the past, but he was, it was a dead eye. It was straight through the middle from forty-five on an angle. Um, you know, defenders don't generally do that. So, well done to Rancy. I don't, I don't think he's going to be Harry Taylor 2.0, though, no. and find himself in the forward line next year. Though. No, I'd, I'd much rather him down back doing what yeah, he does. same. And it's, a, uh, it's an interesting goal-kicking list. You know, you look at the names. Townsend, Revolt, Butler, Lambert, Martin, Rance, Hooley, Rioli, Graham, McIntosh, Edwards, and Nankurwa. So, one thing there, a lot of goal-kickers, which is fantastic. And two, some new names on yeah. there, which is great. Every week, there seems to be one yeah. or two new ones who bob up and... Um, I want to say as well, I know, I know we we've, we spend a lot of time on this podcast complaining about the umpiring, but there was no noise of affirmation or anything going on yesterday. I think oh, when, we got, I think when, we had a really good go, run. When things go your way. Yeah, when you're, when you're, when you're belting teams to that extent. Um, I didn't even know there were umpires on the ground, no, actually, to tell you the truth. They were actually, yeah. they were wearing that grey colour, which kind of blends with the Fremantle purple. Yeah. I actually, like when I first saw the goal umpires, I was like, really, we're going to, you know, we might as well just have 24 out in the field for them. But 50 shades. 50 shades of... Bradley Gray. Um, but I, I suppose the question that gets asked out of all this is after this result today, and, you know, Fremantle aren't very good. How the hell did we lose them earlier? Well, exactly right. I, I, seriously, we, uh, let's, let's put it all into context, right? They are the worst team in the league. I have no doubt about that. They're worse than Carlton. They're worse than Gold Coast? Oh, without a doubt. You reckon? Yes. Well, Gold Coast, yep. have, Gold Coast have got like plenty the of key players got, who aren't playing. For the list that they've got, they are the worst team in the league at the moment. Without uh, A shadow of a doubt for me. How we lost to them in that first time down here at the MCG, and if you, as I said, you put it in context, one minute of football and one reverse decision, yep. and we are on top of the ladder. Don't break my heart, you bigs. We <laughs> really are on top of the ladder. We beat GWS. We beat Fremantle. Dylan Grimes plays in front of Mundy and Sh- Shy Bolton's re- review blokes. goes the right way. And 18 blokes played in front of Mundy and we were a chance. <laughs> anyway, let's not reflect. <laughs> anyway. That's for, um, that's for podcast number 22 or that, whatever it is. That brings year. us forward now to what needs to happen this week. So well, obviously we were very nervous going into this game because we dropped from fourth to sixth 
as a result of uh, Sydney and Port Adelaide getting the wins, um, which which didn't help us, uh, unfortunately. GWS, actually, West Coast were a fair chance to roll GWS there for a while, and that would have helped us dramatically as well, but that didn't happen either. So so we're back where we were, basically, with the status quo of last um, of last week, where we're fourth, and uh, Adelaide, uh, GWS, and Geelong sit ahead of us. Now, if we... we, we so we, we have St Kilda, Sunday, MCG... Uh, and we should pretty much know, for the most part, the equation for us going into that game. The simple. Yep. We just have to win. We win. We pl- Lo- lose, and there are so many things that could turn out for the next couple of weeks, and it, and they'll be disastrous. Just win and secure a top four spot. Exactly. The important thing is that Sid- Sydney. We look. Sydney plays Carlton, and Port Adelaide plays Gold Coast. So you you would almost hand them those results to them right now. Oh yeah, you would. But you is it is a funny old season. Run another. Well, they, they they were good on the weekend, Carlton. This is the first time I don't in like 70, saying seven that, years or something yeah. they beat Hawthorne. Yeah, about that. About that. I think um, I think David Parkin was coaching them last time. Um, and Wolsey was at centre-half forward. But uh, they will know the results of those games before we play out. So, we'll, so we can know exactly where we're going to sit. And the other game that we'll know the result of is Geelong and GWS, which that's probably the most important one is to where we, if we win, where we will finish. So if we win, we finish third or fourth. We can't get top two. But that percentage that has been made up from yesterday against Fremantle um, means that there is a chance of a Geelong versus Richmond MCG final if Geelong beats GWS by doesn't even, I don't know where how much it has to be it's probably around about four goals and we ha- we make up that two percentage percent gap now Shabek you make the point off air about how much that is because of by the end of the year your four and against is so much higher percentages really. Hardly moved towards the last couple of games. That's why I'm so surprised we picked up six percent. I know it was a hundred point win, but that is a massive percentage pickup in the second last round of the year. I think because you look at our four and against for the bulk of the year, our percentage has sat where it is because we've look, our, defensively we've been great, but we haven't been scoring heavily yeah. enough. And that's that was another great thing to come out of yesterday. Yes, they were playing witches hats, but we we showed that we can score heavily if we just if we put our foot down and and you know the, you talk about all those goal kickers yesterday it was magnificent. But should we so we win um, and Geelong win and we make up the percentage gap, you'll have a Geelong versus Richmond second versus third final at the MCG qualifying final. So that would mean we play at least two games at the MCG in finals, and that would be a Saturday that, night, Saturday Saturday night or Friday night. Um, and it would, yeah, and there They'd would probably be, have Adelaide GWS in the Friday night. Yeah, and that would be that's our best chance, I think, of 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 you know, playing. I know Geelong are, I think Geelong are a better team than GWS personally. I think GWS is still a bit vulnerable, but um, getting but it's a let's call it a home final if that's the case. Um, however, if GWS beat Geelong or we don't make up that percentage gap, then we're up, we're heading up to GWS. Um, well, God forbid, actually, you know, Adelaide could drop to second if. Uh, if uh, if uh, GW if if they happen to lose to West Coast, which I don't think will happen, I think they've got. I think Adelaide will know exactly what it has to do going into it. But that could happen. But we can't go. We we're going third or fourth. If we lose, and this oh, is where it's interesting. So depending on what happens to Sydney and Port Adelaide, uh, fourth, fifth, or sixth. So if Sydney and Port Adelaide lose and we lose, we still finish fourth. Uh, those guys have far superior percentage to us, so they will jump above us if we lose. Um, which Can I just stay right here now? Yep. That losing is not an option. No, there is no lose. way we can have a Richmond-Melbourne elimination final. No. Because that could just be, in my household, that could be good for no one. And in my household too. The, half the bride will leave half for a week. It can be good for no one. No yeah. good can come out of that. I think I read something that the last time, the last time both 
Richmond and Melbourne were in the final series together. I think KB... Jesus was playing centre-half forward for Bethlehem. KB was five years off being born. Oh really? That's how far back we're going. Like seriously, Jack Dyer was 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 That's young and twenty two or something. Something like that. Ridiculous. I think Josh Kay actually tweeted that out. I might just check that now. But yeah, that, that is a that Melbourne. We did get the points over them this year. But Jesse Hogan is one of those forwards who does have a very good record against Alex France because he's a bit wiry and he's he's got good stretch arms. And they and the, you know Melbourne have got players in there that are that tough physical pressure sort of uh, play, game plan as well. So that would. Uh, you know that'd be a real danger game, and that would be an elimination final as well. So, Carl, you had a sparkle in your eyes just a second ago. What were you thinking? I had a sparkle in my eyes because I actually didn't catch on to what you were talking about in relation to finals and playing Geelong at the MCG. I wasn't, I didn't take into consideration the points and where people, where teams were at. So when I actually had a look at the ladder and realised how close it was between first and fourth, the fact that we're on fifty six points. GWS are on 60. If Geelong were to belt GWS and we were to beat St Kilda by 30 plus, and that essentially puts us in third and Geelong Correct. in second. second. So yeah. that would be why we get the home, well, not the home as such, but Geelong get the home final, the G, and it's at the G. So it has to, and it would have to be at the G. There is no way in God's earth that the AFL could schedule Geelong Richmond at Skilled Stadium. Oh, I know Geelong. Stadium yeah, well, Geelong's been talking tough about we got to, we should have every final down here, and you know that's their prerogative, and I, and I take that, but. We're yeah, talking an extra <laughs> fifty thousand people coming to see a game. Um, I think there'd be we'd be marching down the street with torches. If it's one thing to have a home and away game that is their home game down there, but if it, you know if there's a final, the Brownlow stand <laughs> will become the low stand because it will be pulled down. It will, yeah, we'll be, we'll be, but just on that, is there actually a clause in the contract agreement between Geelong and the AFL which says, subject to Geelong making finals, there's a chance that they actually get a final, a home final or at no, no, Simmons well, Stadium? No, well the, the, the way the agreement works is uh, they, Geelong, Geelong has its three home grounds technically which are Simmons Stadium, Etihad Stadium and um, and and uh, the MCG. The AFL will schedule them at which home ground suits their needs best, which essentially is capacity. The so, good thing about the final series is that the AFL control the final series and they can decide where they want. If they wanted to, they could hold Adelaide, Port Adelaide at the MCG. And yeah. they could do that if they wanted to. Because all, all those old agreements about where you had to have a final each week each at the week, MCG, yeah, they've all gone. They've all gone. Yeah, so we, 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 we now, that's, they've embraced the national competition the only, in that The only spirit. one that I believe still stands, though, is if they don't have a final at Etihad Stadium, Etihad Stadium is then... They get able extra games. to get a couple of extra blockbuster games the next year. Yes. And that was my next question. Would the AFL be looking at utilising Etihad Stadium now that they have ownership rights to it? Um, not if it's going to knock 35,000, 40,000 people back because getting through. We know with Geelong Richmond, that's going to be like 95,000 plus. You'd have to that's say. That's a question, yeah. Yeah. It's a gr- yeah, it'd be It'd be interesting to see if Geelong flew the flag a bit and maybe that was the compromise. But I think Geelong prefers playing it the MCG to, my understanding, to my understanding anyway. of the agreement, so is that if there is a final to be played in Melbourne, it gets played at the MCG. Yeah, over yeah. Etihad. It even makes if, sense, even if it's at St Kilda or Essendon were to host it, it gets played at the MCG. And that's that's why the Dogs they were they had to play their home final against Adelaide a couple of years ago at the G rather than at Etihad. And I remember there was a going, well, that's our home ground, and um, the AFL said, well, look, let's try and maximise the attendance here, and it actually turned out to be a pretty Basically, an Eddie had size crowd. It was about fifty thousand turned up, yeah. Um, and they lost by a goal, and 
it wasn't the end of the world, so to speak. And, you know, they didn't really beat their drum about it. But internally, they were going, well, you know, we'd prefer to be playing our games that Eddie had. Ox actually threw up a, a mechanism last week, he said, as a suggestion for uh, a blanket policy so that you stop the Geelongs and the Bulldogs and the St Kilda's of the world complaining about not playing there. And that is, first two weeks of the finals, if you're the home team, you played at your home ground. So it, for, under this policy, if St Kilda made the finals and earned a home final, it would be at Eddie Rabbit. had... Or you could be rapid, <laughs> might as well be. Um, Geelong would host it at Simmons, and then therefore for, for preliminary finals, it's entirely the AFL's discretion. So they would go, you know what? We're playing two games at the MCG. Get stuffed. We want to. We are going to have. We want to get two hundred thousand people through the gate. Uh, whether that would work practically with like memberships and that sort of thing, because that's that's the other reason why like Richmond members sign up as a uh, you know if you're you're the member that has the has the finals tickets rights. Um, where are you going to fit them in at Simmons Stadium? Because they all they all pay their membership and Correct. they all uh, have a right to get a ticket to the finals should Richmond make it. So good luck closing all those guys out. Just saw KB's and tweets and, yeah. uh, in regards to the fact that he's losing his tipping touch. He selected Richmond to beat Frio by 100 points and uh, the Tigers better than he actually thought winning by 104. Good on you, mm. KB. Just, just, just keeping in touch with him. Finally, one of his 100-plus margins... Came to fruition. This is the, <laughs> this is the stat when when Richmond and Melbourne last appeared in a, in a same final series. Jack Dyer was twenty seven years old. E J Witten was eight. Ron Barassi was five. Bob Skilton was two. And K B hadn't been born yet for five years. So that's an amazing stat. That goes that goes a long, 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 long way back. St Kilda this week they torched us in round sixteen. I think it was by eighty odd points. Yeah, the Matty Rewalt. Uh, Matty Rewalt game. game. It was a. It was we. I remember we did the podcast that week, Jebex, and we really didn't read that much into it. We, we for us, it was a write-off. Yeah, I was glad I was away that week, to be honest. Yeah, you're up sunning yourself on the Gold mm, Coast, weren't nice. you? Um, I think the MCG suits us a lot better for this game, particularly if it if it does rain a bit. It, it will be emotional for St Kilda, and it'll, it, be, it, it'll be emotional for Richmond fans as well, because there is no doubting. And and please get behind him, Richmond fans. I know you will, because we we like that, but. There's no doubting that Nick Revolt has been a champion of this game for the last 15, 20 years. So uh, he is a modern-day legend, and he will receive the right send-off that he deserves at the end of this game, even though it's not St Kilda's home match. Well, let's no doubt, and obviously the Jack factor comes into that. Yeah, I'm sure that you know Jack might even be one of the lifters at the end of the game when it comes time to 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 cheer him off the ground. Wouldn't wouldn't surprise me if that because he had he's had the official home one last night, which was you know he got he shed a tear and. you know, Nick's, Nick Nick uh, will treat this game as, you know, it, there is still that outside chance that they could potentially play finals. But again, they will know that by the time they hit the so ground. So Jack's the Richmond representative of the lifters. Who the, the other one? Game. Who's the St Kilda one? Oh. Good question. Good question. Let's throw that out in the Twitter. At Tiger Tragics, if you've got one. If we've got Jack on one side to lift Nick Rewald up, who should be on the other side? Who's a, Aaron Fiora played for both clubs. Maybe we wheel him out. <laughs> I'm uh, Adam uh, Patterson. St- Stephen Ziller. Adam Patterson. Yeah, Adam Patterson play, 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 for, played for both. Um, but it's a must-win game. We're, we got torched in every department last time, so it's hard to sort of get a read on what we need to improve on from last time. But I think, is it just a case of playing our style and we think we can back ourselves in? or uh, if, if we play the football that we know we can play... And the, we we win this game easy. Uh, mm. Seriously, so Kilda look good against North Melbourne. I have no problems there. But North Melbourne also are a bit of a rebel at the moment I too. So North Melbourne have made a lot of teams look yeah. good in the last month yeah. or so. Uh, we just got to we just got to stick to our structures. All that sort. Do all the cliche stuff that comes out week in and week out. But it is so important that you do it because if you don't, 
And we've proven one minute of football where we didn't stick to our structure against Fremantle, it cost us four points. And potentially cost us top spot on the ladder. Which is, you know, could be could be very costly in the in the scheme of things. I think um, you've got to be on. You've got to be on for 120 minutes. You, you can't afford to not be. The interesting thing, everyone talks about Austin Kilda's got a lot to play for. You know, he's going to send off Nick Rewalt and they might have a final spot on the on the line. We're playing for a top four spot. We've got oh, yeah, we've got we've we've got as much on the line as anyone. So I'd like to think that's the messaging this week from Damien Harbick to to you know just treat this as a final that we need. This is a must win game. Do not rest on the laurels. I don't think they'll be resting blokes. I think the the buy after it as much as people have knocked it will help us. Um, and, uh, and but the buy is an amazing thing, and that's the reason why the AFL are bought in, whether we agree with it or not. But the fact that they're bought in means Richmond can play their absolute best twenty-two that they have available to them, barring injuries, for this game, mm. and know that the blokes can then ha- have a you know a week off the yeah. week after. Would you, Carl? Would you be making any changes to a team that won by one hundred four points? And the reason I say that is because Sam Lloyd had fifty disposals and kicked four. Yeah. And Griffiths conquer. They all got through. Sean Hampson got through again. Anthony Miles played really well. You talk about the depth. There's players there knocking down the door, but you know it's hard to. You can't drop a Townsendies kick six. Like, what do you do? Yeah, it's a good question. I reckon just keep it as it is, and maybe give. Well, Caddy's obviously going to be out next week anyway. Jacob to his credit, came out and kicked six goals. I mean, can we really say that we expected him to kick six goals on the weekend? No. Probably not. Take it to the bank. Mm. There will be one change. There will be. There'd be at least one change. It'll be Sean Hanson will come in. You reckon? You think they'll definitely coming in? Take it to the bank. To see whether or not he can play out four quarters? Yeah, Yeah, that's a fair call. Whether he can play out four quarters. Uh, He'll he'll share with Dan Curvis and they'll they'll provide that second tall option. That was my next question. That could be the Clark Keating move that Brisbane used to rely on when they... uh, when they did so well, and, and if it comes off, fantastic. And St Kilda, uh, they have got a plethora of tools. You know, they do. They, that last time against them, we did get stretched with Membry, and um, they had a lot of. They have a lot of those guys who can then run through the the forward line um, as well. And um, you know, it would be it'd be interesting to see. Actually, while while we're here on that question, assuming all of those guys that have been out for the bulk of the year are fit and available, Griffiths, Hampson, Conker. How many, if any, of them would would you, if you know, all fit and available, would you like to see in that twenty two? And and how many do you think would actually disrupt the the game style if you put all of them in? Could that could that be the case? I think you'd only take two. I I, I seriously don't believe you could go with Griffiths. I, mm, I just no. don't, unfortunately, but at the moment. I'd argue that you wouldn't want to go with Conker based off uh, past history. If you think well, about but who's the he going to replace? Well, that's that's another thing. Like, who does he replace? Well, he's, he's well, not going to replace Bashy. He's playing well at the moment. He's not going to replace Aspie. Broad? Nah. He's I reckon Broad, Broad's in his spot. See, Broad's yeah. in his spot and pushed, kept Short out yeah. of it. Um, yeah. The, yeah, Short's another one who's you know in that line of players who you know could, they if, like his kicking. They you, do like. You his would kicking. just hate history to repeat itself and have Conker come into a final where he's not needed and not be a hundred percent like. If we go back, when was it? Uh, twenty fifteen, I think. Conquer North, came in against North Melbourne. Against it was, North Melbourne, it was, it was just shambles. It, it was a shambles. You're yeah. right. Um, yeah. And with all due respect to Conk as well, I love Conk. Don't yeah. get me wrong, but yeah, I th- I think Hampson's the better prospect in terms of fitness. Yeah, but I think I th- you know Griffiths has more upside in that he is a gen he is a genuine forward, but I he is a big risk. Yeah, as you say, because I mean, look, he he hasn't played much football this year. Uh, he does, you know, he, his form in the VFL hasn't been earth-shattering, as, and he has battled a, I, a shoulder issue as well. You, and I hear what you're saying about the upside of bringing of Griffiths over Hampson, but what is the upside if he gets a hit? 
what's it? You're a man down, and you've got, and then Nankervis has to shoulder the load, True. and 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 he's and you're a man down, and you're effectively two man down because you cannot play Hampson in the finals if you don't give him a run this week. The only other question I wanted to raise is: Would it disrupt our existing game plan? Seeing as we've based it so much on having the small forwards, if we then bring another tool into the equation, no, because Hampson picks up from where Soldo basically yeah. works. Sol- yeah. Soldo was left out, placing that. I don't think you can. That's why I don't think you can have just Hampson. A just a yeah, question. No, no, no. I, I don't think you can put them both in. I think that's the that's if they well, you try can't have Hampson yeah. and Soldo in. No. Yeah, because no, it no, no, no. too tall, and they, it's all about pressure, and they just yeah. they just aren't pressure and, players. And unfortunately for Soldo, he's just not there at the moment. He's is a good ruckman, but he's just not that forward you're looking for. No. Hampson offers you both options. Griffith offers you the forward option. Not necessarily sure whether he's your ruck option. So that's why I think Hampson is the better bet. And that's why it's worth having a look at yeah, him this and week. If, and if you don't play him this week, I desperately can, I cannot see how they can play him in the first final. It's they just, have to have a look at him this week. Exactly. Because if you look at it as well, Nank can play centre-half and Hampson can ruck. You know, And that's the positive that we've seen Nank Kervis do in the Correct. last few weeks. He's actually been centre-half forward and kicked a few goals and Soldo's been taking the ruck, majority Spot of the on. ruck work. So there you go. Two real quick ones before we go because we do have to sign off shortly. Chris Yaron, it emerged on Thursday. Uh, the video came out of him that he revealed that he'd been battling uh, ice addiction during, uh, you know, the timeline wasn't exactly clear, it's, but essentially it was, it was whilst he was at Richmond and mm. Mark Williams revealed over the weekend that, you know, he, the club had to keep it a secret and Barmy said on Friday that they were aware of his issues when they recruited him. How much the depth of the issues I'm not sure of. The question, I suppose the two questions I pose are we gave up pick 19 for a bloke who we knew had issues if the public knew then what we know now how would we have sacked the recruiting staff on the spot like do we who who do we hold accountable for that because we've we've effectively recruited we've used a really high draft pick to pick up someone who we knew had issues who didn't play a game for the club and who burnt a lot of money out of the salary cap um, who we knew was a liability, and we went and got them anyway. Does that sit well with everyone? It doesn't really sit well with me. I think the same can be said about when we recruited Ben Cousins. We knew it was always going to be a risk, but we seem to be a club that allows uh, another lifeline to players that have had, you know, not the greatest of history the at o- their previous club. The, the only difference I have with that is we recruited Ben Cousins uh, with a rookie draft pick very late in the draft yes, to yeah. save his life. Plough tells a story. That was to, that was a yeah. uh, 100% a welfare thing. There was the, the upside was if he gets out there and plays, how great. They sold 10,000 extra memberships off the back of it, and that was brilliant for the football club, and they helped him for while he was there. Yeah. The only other thing I will say on the matter is if you have actually have a look at the past games that Carlton played against Richmond and the impact Yaron had for Carlton, we were always saying Yaron was the difference for Carlton because he'd he'd pop up and kick a few goals, which were crucial crucial for Carlton to get over the line, and we'd be like, oh, that bloody Yaron, you know, he's kicked a few goals. When he was at his most elite kicking those goals and playing great football, right. we were like, you know, we need to play like that. And we've seen, you know, obviously with our recruiting, getting players like Rioli that are now playing those roles, but we had the expectation if we recruit Yaron, regardless of what's going on in his personal life, we'll be able to assist him. We'll back him, our systems. You know, and we've got a great support staff at Tigerland that are going to help potentially another trouble player come into another football environment to get his mind path on the right track to get him playing great football that he should be playing. All I've got to say is if Chris Yaring does come back and play again as he wants to, he says he might want to go on an AFL list again, come play for us, minimum chips, and pay us back what we paid you over the last couple of years. I would yes, agree with so, that. Yeah. It is an interesting one because, I mean, I look at the year. We, we did give away, away pick 19. I remember at the time it was all that. We had to sell hope. We had to, we, we'd missed out on Adam Trelaw and the year before, and we went... 
you know, geez, we've got to go and pick someone up. We've got to go and get someone. So we ended up getting Chris Yaron in. And I know that there were there were alarm bells at the time of, oh, you know, there might be a bit going on. No one really knew the extent of the issues until now, obviously. Um, and I, I suppose that begs the next question. Selling hope is something North Melbourne is now trying to do by, uh, they've you know, two weeks ago with Dusty, we thought it was all done, 1.3, seven years. And we all started patting each other on the back going, he's going to stay, he's going to stay. We read today and there has been some murmurings around that, you know, North's increasingly... Uh, feeling like Josh Kelly's going to stay. So they've reported, reportedly put 1.5 times 7 on the table because they, they, need to go, they need to get someone, they need to sell some hope. North, what sh- North shouldn't be surprised, though, if both Dusty and Kelly stay because I think history will dictate and tell you that players are more likely to stay than they are to go. But who wants to go to North Melbourne? Well, that's the question. They're, they're, they're trying to buy him... Um, Essentially, to because because that's the only reason you would go. You, you can't buy players. That's I mean, you can, but you know, if you actually look, I, I, I'm sure the culture's great at North Melbourne, but their playing group just can't get it together enough well, for you know high profile players such as a Dustin Martin or a Kelly to really look into a club such as North Melbourne. In my opinion, it's the same as going up to Gold Coast. They you know, will. they will uh, get it together I've, in the next few years. Yeah, but at the moment, you know, I don't. If, if Dusty was to go to North Melbourne, you know. That's to me says money hungry, and I don't think he's that kind of character. I, I think he, I, I, I disagree with that. I think the fact he hasn't re-signed is because he's money hungry, and they want to get the absolute no, best deal no, for him. No, 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 <laughs> absolutely. Dusty's, Dusty's not money hungry anymore. Like, I'm, I'm, well, then why hasn't he signed? It's look, I'm. <laughs> you know what? Give, give it to the I'll end of you, this. I'll give you one reason why he hasn't signed. It's a little thing called Charlie, because if he wins the Brownlow Medal this year, and he definitely will, then all of a sudden. It's a it's a whole it's another it's level. an extra thing. It's up. a whole different level, and, and that's fair enough. He should be entitled to get what he can get for him at the best he can, because you only get one shot at this. Yeah, you don't get to come back at thirty five, thirty six years of age and say, "Oh, hang on, can you please give me an extra five hundred thousand dollars for all those good years I had?" You only get one shot at it, and good luck to him. Which is, which is why I asked the question. North Melbourne's one point five times seven years. You go, oh, it's only two hundred thousand more than us, but that's times seven years. That's one point four million dollars. Tax that, you know, let's call it eight hundred. That's eight hundred thousand more dollars. That's nearly an extra mil. But can I also say to you that once you get would Charlie, you knock that back? Once you get Charlie around your neck, all of a sudden you have a legacy that you leave into the football world because you're a Brownlow medalist, and the future of your career in the AFL is highly scrutinised. Now, for a Brownlow medalist to go to a club and not perform due to the fact that the people around him aren't performing isn't good for you either. So you might as well stay with Richmond with a team that you know is on the up for the next three or four years and have the best time of your life for 100000 or so less and make that money elsewhere yeah. through um, through co- you know, corporate deals and Spot stuff. on. I'll ask you one question, to, or two questions in one hit just before we go. Uh, KB, uh, a, do you think Dusty, do you think he's staying? And B, KB posed the question today, uh, if Richmond won the flag this year, would you feel would you feel better about him going? Uh, he's staying, and if we win the flag, no, I'd feel even worse because I'd want to keep this team as much of this team as I could together. I know we're going to make three changes as a minimum, but as much of this team as we could together for as long as we can to ensure that we have a successful four, five, six year period uh, coming up. I'd be really, really pissed off if he left us if we won the flag. Absolutely. Yep. Carl staying and yeah. If he was to leave, I think there'd be a somewhat a loss of a confidence within the group because as soon as he puts pen to paper on that contract, the confidence within the group remains. We all know what 
role he plays at Tigerland and how much of an impact he has and how great he is to his peers. So for him to go, it just I reckon it put us back five years. Can put I back five just, years. just very quickly? And I know we're going to close it down. When you saw Dustin talk to Brad Johnson before the game yesterday, he's a Richmond man. And then when you spoke to him, when they spoke to him, that was the happiest I've ever seen Dustin Martin in an interview. At any situation, he was happy to talk. Stood there, shook Brad Johnson's hand, tapped him on the back, all that sort of. Dustin Martin hates cameras, hates microphones, hates doing interviews. That was the first time I generally seen Dustin enjoy a chat, and for me, that means to me that. He is in a pretty good place at the moment, and I wouldn't be swapping that for the sake of a couple of hundred thousand dollars. I would. Life can change pretty quickly. I definitely agree with that, and I think yeah, for the for for my, for my take, I think he stays. I I do, however, think if we get to sort of that first week after the bye week, and we're in the first week of the finals, and there's still so no signature, then I think we all have to sort of you know maybe prepare for the worst. But we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. Tip this week, St Kilda. Uh, Nathan Buckley to keep his job too. That's my tip. That's your tip. <laughs> Yeah, I yeah, think so. I don't as think well. that'll change either. Yeah. Did they say he'd know by the end of this week? Well, they got the meeting on the Tuesday night. Uh, whether they then publicly announce something or not, we don't know. But uh, I would think in the next ten days, you'll we'll know what's going on. Did there. you tip St Kilda? No, I was asking you. Who's your, who are you tipping? Oh, I thought you said are you tipping St. in the in the St Kilda game? Uh, oh no, no. I'll... No, I've, see, I've, I broke it last week, so I've got to go Richmond by ten goals. Uh, John Barker to be signed as Gold Coast coach. Oh, sorry, no, I think. Uh, <laughs> No, I think we'll get the win and we'll pay tribute to a great servant in the AFL and to the St Kilda Football Club and Nick Rewald. Go Tigers. And it'll be an absolute honour for me to be able to talk him off the ground as he walks off. Ah, yes. The voice of the G. Well done. I'm tipping Richmond by four goals. And, uh, you know, this time next week, uh, we'll be reflecting on the game. and We'll have a little bit of a reflection on the uh, on the season just gone and before we look ahead to the finals the next week. Gentlemen, thank you so much for your time today. You know today. what we need to do? Next year, when we continue this, we need to start a new segment. Who is going to be our welcome home hero? Oh, each week. week. We need to come up with a different name each week to see who we think it might be. Paul Bullis. Paul Bullis. Can cool we get one. Paul Bullis back in? Is Darren Gaspar. Darren Gaspar. The gas man. Jeff Hogg. Jeff Hogg would be fantastic. Patrick M- Bowden. We'll Matthew see. Rogers. So I'm just like Chris Nash. I'm just thinking back to all the, I'm thinking back to my Stephen Jerica. Let's get the nineteen ninety six team up, the poster I had when I was I a kid. We, I think they had Nick Daffy, didn't they? Yeah, the duck. They had the duck. Rory Hilton. Rory Hilton. Here we go. <laughs> Gentlemen, I thank you. Go Tigers! Go Tigers!